0: Right, all right. We're here. I'm glad I don't have to wrap presents at my house. My wife has so many different things going on there. And I'm glad she enjoys it. But there's a problem I have to wrap hers. So if you're, you like to wrap, I'll pay you. <laughs> I just got a few little items my kids have sent up that need wrapped. So. Galatians chapter 4, if you are able to stand, we will look at verses 1 through 7. We're going to title this, The Air. It looks like hair. But it's heir, H-E-I-R, it's in our text. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So let's pray here. Father, we ask that you'd bless the message this evening. I pray that your spirit would help me to speak. I'm thankful, Lord, for the understanding. Help me to give clarity to it as I speak. Help your people, Lord, to grasp this wonderful, powerful truth. May it touch our heart. May it strengthen us and encourage us in our walk with you. May it inspire us and motivate us to witness for you, to talk about our family. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul uses a family practice or illustration that the Gauls would be familiar with in the home to illustrate the difference between those under the law and those who have received Christ. So the Romans uh, (coughs) would uh, often Say we have a Roman centurion. He's got servants, and he's got a little boy. Well, that little boy in this culture would be under the tutelage and the guardianship of most likely one of the servants. We read a moment ago that being under tutors and governors, that would be teachers and uh, counselors, and they would be their authority. And so <clears throat> this little child, though it is the centurion's son, he uh, and though he is an heir, because he's being taken care of by the servants and, and all of that, he could be misunderstood as a, one of the servant's kids because he, he run around and played with those kids as well. and They acted a lot alike. Um, they were all... The, the, the servants, actually, the tutors and the governors had charge, had authority over this little boy. And <clears throat> though the little boy was an heir... He was not acknowledged as a child who would receive his father's inheritance as of yet. There was kind of a rite of passage. It was not announced to the family or others that this boy will receive all of the privileges and benefits that that, uh, are mine when I die. He it was not acknowledged as that in a legal sense. So he would be under this tutelage until, who knows, uh, 15, 16 years old. I can picture, I like Jay Vernon McGee's story, he walks into the bathroom and grabs his father's razor and begins to shave and all of that, <clears throat> and dad comes in a little bit later and notices somebody got into his shaving cream, messed with his razor, and he says, who did that? And one of the servants said, well, that was your son. And he says, he, uh, he's ready to shave now? Yeah, he is. Oh. Of course, I've seen little kids do it that weren't ready to shave. <clears throat> so he brings them in, and sure enough, he gets a good look at his son. He's. You are getting older. And uh, it was up to the father to approve whether or not the son was mature enough for the... It was called the toga virilis. And so you really have to pretend, but I'm wearing a black jacket. You'd have to pretend this is a white robe. And so... uh, When they got of age, where the father approved of the boy's maturity and responsibility, they would have a party. The Jews would have like a bar mitzvah. You, some of you heard of that, okay? For, and I think that's like thirteen. Well, this could vary in age. This could vary in age with with the uh, Romans. The father's the one who decided he is ready. And so say, Jason, uh, if you, you sit right here, and you're just an uh, easy illustration. Come, so say, Jason's my son, and I finally say, you know what, you're ready, son. I am going, and the word adopted, it's not like we think adoption. He's adopting his own son in the legal sense that I want everybody to know now He's got all the rights, and those who were his tutors and governors, they're no longer his authority. He's in charge. This was called the toga, it, this would have been called the toga viralis, and it would have been longer, of course, and it had been white, just plain. And so, but it was a sign of his manhood, his maturity, thanks, that's all I needed. Um... So when Paul shares this in his writing here, he knows these people will understand the thinking. With that in mind, I want us to read it again. I think you'll see it better. And again, Paul is using this as an illustration for those who were under the law. Let me ask you this. Were the children of Israel, children of Israel, were they called God's children as a nation? Well, most of you, for those of you that were afraid to say yes or nod your head, the answer is yes. They were called God's children as a nation, okay? They were under the law. Did that mean that every one of them knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, yes or no? No, they did not. And of course, we see this in the New Testament pretty clearly. So I read it again. Paul, writing, says, now I say... That the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. The time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, Paul includes himself, he's a Jew, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because of your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a, if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So, let's see if we can put some sense to this. Verse 1 Um, maturity is necessary. Now, I could take this another application because that's true in life. In our Christian life, even after you're saved, there's there's a maturing process that I believe takes place until we meet Jesus. Are you with me? Even the Apostle John talks about that when he says, young man, and Fathers, and he talks to little children, he, he lists all three in one verse about their different uh, uh, attributes. But in this sense, in this passage, he's actually talking about those who were under the law who were to be looking for the Messiah. They were looking toward the cross. They were looking for the Messiah. That's what he's talking about. It representing those under the law who looked for the Messiah. The child, by the way, the word child here in verse 1 is different than the word child in verse uh, 26 of chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That word child there is the same word that we find here in verse, uh, oh, let's see, verse... Where's it at here? Verse 6, because of your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit. It's, it's that word there, because your sons. That word and the word child in verse 26 are the same in the sense of the maturity process. But the word child here in verse 1 is in reference to a little guy, a little tyke, a little toddler. I don't even need to go into the Greek, just need to let you know it is a, there's a distinction. Now, <clears throat> verse 2 and 3, we find that authority is necessary for this maturation process. In verse 2 and 3, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So let's just use Israel as an example, okay? So, Israel, you're given the law, you have the promises of Abraham. It doesn't mean you're all born again, but as a nation, You are heirs, heirs, and you're under these tutors and these governors, so to speak, and this bondage of the elements of the world. Uh, There were things in your life that helped rule you and govern you, whether it was chastisement from other countries uh, or the inability to keep the law. Uh, Then we come to verse Uh, Verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, now this is a significant passage here because this is where God makes salvation possible to all humanity. It's been possible, and by the way, salvation, the means of salvation has been the same from the very beginning. It's by faith, by faith from the very beginning. But now, with Christ in the world, we get to look back at what's been accomplished. They were looking toward what was to happen. And God is telling us that Christ... There's about four things here that are... Three things that are significant in this passage. But it's like he interrupts now. He says, okay, people that were under the law... Uh, they were under tutors. They, though they were heirs, they were not recipients because they have not matured yet. We could say they haven't come to themselves yet. We could say, like the prodigal son. Oh, by the way, when the prodigal son was in the hog pen, the Bible says he came to himself. And what did he do when he came to himself? Well, Anybody? No. Where did he go when he came to himself? He went home. He went back to the Father. And what did the Father give him? A new robe, didn't he? He gave him a new robe, signifying this is my son that was lost. But in this new robe and the ring and the sandals and all of that, it was representative that He has the rights of a son of all that I have now that he's home. And that's the same picture we have here, okay? So uh, uh, now with Christ, in verse 4, God wants us to know that uh, they were here using Paul as an illustration. Paul was looking for the Messiah, but now he's discovered it, it was Christ all along. And he emphasizes to the, to the Galatians here that when Christ came, uh, in the fullness of time, God sent his Son. Now let's consider fullness of time. That simply means that at the right time, at the perfect time, well, let's consider some things. All the prophets have d- spoke their word. The 70 weeks of Daniel has been completed, so to speak, or the 69th week there. And then then you've got, uh, oh yeah, historically speaking, the Greek language is almost universal. And uh, the Romans have paved roads to make much of the civilized world accessible. That's a pretty convenient time for the Lord to come and the gospel to be spread abroad. People, not that he couldn't, he did speak and give the gift of tongues, but the the gospel could be transferred much easier. And so we see here it was the right time. It was the right process. Notice it says in verse four, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. Under the law, the idea there is, and I know this, some, some of this sounds so elementary, but we're going through the book of Galatians, and I want to teach the scriptures as I'm saying them here, okay? And so, uh, Jesus, born of a woman, the Savior had, we see the, the perfection of our substitute. He had to take on our uniform. He had to live in our kind of by our flesh he had to struggle with the weaknesses we struggle with and yet and be under the law that they were under and yet without sin in order to be our substitute and he did that he did all of that and he qualified himself as our perfect substitute if he'd have sinned one time he'd had to die for his own sin But God sent His Son through a woman, making Him a man. Jesus was a man, a human being, as much as He was God. Sometimes that's difficult for us to grasp. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's easier for me to acknowledge Jesus as God than it is somebody just like you and I. I can grasp Him as being God More than I can grasp him as somebody that would sit down with you and I and eat dinner and maybe just talk casually. I'm sure he would bring the conversation in the right direction. But I just feel like he knew how to make people feel at home. So anyways, we see the process of this salvation. Jesus qualified himself, and then we see the purpose of this salvation in verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So wait a minute, going back to verse 1 there, Paul says, while we were under the law, we were under these tutors and guardians, and though we hoped for this inheritance, we were never going to get it. But in the fullness of time, when those of us who come to ourselves and understood we're sinners, regardless of the law, because of the law, I mean, we're sinners and we can't live up to it, and God's provided a Savior, what a blessing. He's here. He is able to redeem us from the death penalty of our own sin. And that's why he came. Well, that's good news, to redeem them that were under the law. That, why? They might be able to celebrate the toga virilis. Okay. There's no way I was going to wear a toga. Anyways, uh, and then the result, the result. And here's where we will spend the most time. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So Paul is saying You know what I'm talking about, speaking to the Galatians, because you do this with your own children. Well, the way God the Father does it is, rather than giving them a robe, he puts his Holy Spirit in them. You see, those young men would put that robe on, and everybody knew their status now, and they knew their status now. I'm no longer under this guy who used to whip me. And I've got the privileges of my father in this home now. I'm wearing the toga by Rillis. Paul says God puts his spirit in us so that we would know we're his sons. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 if you would. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. And by the way, just an interesting study in the New Testament. There are more scriptures on the Holy Spirit of God in Romans, John, and Galatians than any other portion in the New Testament. Those three books, not that the Spirit of God is not mentioned in the others, but those three books of the New Testament record more of the operation and work of the Holy Ghost than any other. It's quite astounding how often Paul refers to the Spirit of God in the book of Galatians. Now look at Romans, though, because Galatians, he kind of summarizes what he clarifies here in Romans. Look at verse 15, Romans 8. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, see the capital S, itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the what? So just as that child, or that he wasn't a child anymore, when the fathers deemed it, okay, he's ready, of course, there are distinctions. Paul's using a meta or using an illustration these people would understand. okay, that young man put that on. that was validation for him. Now I don't know if you remember when you got saved. I hope you do. I remember when I got saved, and i d- I didn't have somebody take all these scriptures and show me what transpired after I got saved. It wasn't until years later. That I actually, studying Romans 8, I realized that's what happened when I got saved. And that His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a son of God. Because did you not, when you got saved, have an understanding that, wow, I'm not going to hell anymore? I'm going to heaven? Was there an assurance in your heart that wasn't there before? Well, what caused that assurance? That was the Holy Spirit validating to you that you are His child. You're God's child. Now, I realize false teaching can uh, create doubts and all of that. But initially, for every believer, when they call on Christ as their Savior, I am telling you, if they meant it sincerely, God's Holy Spirit bears witness with them that they're His child now. And they're brought into the family uh, with all the privileges of every other child. And all, they have the same right to the Word of God as every other child. They have the same access to knowledge as every other child. They have the same access to the re- Father's refrigerator as every other child. Are you hearing me? Now, we understand that people can people mature in their faith and in their walk. But on the same token, the distinction here with God the Father is, oh, no, you're no longer under those, the tutor of the law anymore. No, no, you're under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Yes, those are family rules and all of that. But uh, I'm available for you all the time. Okay, so... Uh, as we look at what the work of the Holy Spirit, let's, let's read on here in Romans 8. This, verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Wait a minute, you, what? Joint heirs with Christ, yes. I'm in the home, I'm in the house because of Jesus. I don't understand this, and I certainly don't deserve it. But God has made me an equal because I'm not in there through my righteousness. I'm in there through His righteousness. It's astounding. Okay, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with with Him, that we may be also glorified together. And so that leads to many other things. But I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit for a little bit because that's what we're leaving off here. Galatians 4, 6. When did this Holy Spirit get in us? When did He get in us? He got in us at the moment we put faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26. Remember? I'll quote it. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. I was at Walgreens the other day, and I was feeling surly. And I don't mean, didn't mean to be... Every once in a while, I know you wouldn't believe this, but every once in a while, I just don't feel like socializing. I just, so I'm walking in there, and I forget what I was going in there for. Um, Man, I forget what I was going in there for. But I remembered the incident, so I'm, I'm in there, now I want to remember what I was going in there for. My wife had sent me. Ah, what was it? Yes. Ribbon. No, tissue paper that you put in bags. I just went for a run. That's what it was. I just went for a run, and I'm kind of tired, and she says, can you do this for me? And I says, yes, dear. You are here. So I'm being accurate. So I go in there, and this guy uh, by the desk says, Hey, brother! I'm sorry. I'm just not always spiritually minded. I'm just thinking, Are you saved? Because if you're not saved, we're not brothers. That's what's going on in my brain. I'm, I'm sorry. And so we got talking, and he said, Uh, can I help you with something? I said, yeah, I need some tissue paper. So he takes me to the Kleenex. I said, no, not the Kleenex. This is as accurate. This is, God knows I'm telling the truth. I said, no, I need the stuff you use to put in gift bags to pack it down. It, filler, filler, and to make it look like it's more than what's really there. Yeah, I need some filler. He says, I know where that's at. And so he takes me over to it, and I says, uh, and I thought, well, he's acting bold. I'm going to act bold. I said, do you know Christ is your Savior? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, then we are brothers. <laughs> he said, no, we're all God's children. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Because I, I, I've been looking reading Galatians the past th- three months, you know, and this is in my brain, and we're not. <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. I said, we're not. And then he said, oh, no, no, no. I said, oh, yes, 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 yes. That's God's Word says this. And then he got a little nervous and awkward, and it got weird. And I thought, I, I wasn't in for this. Just get my tissue paper, and let's get out of here. I wish I was a better witness, better attitude. But he was friendly, and he gave me a discount, so that was cool. Uh, <clears throat> but the reality is, we're not all God's children. The world is devised of saints and ain'ts. And if you're a saint, it's because you put faith in Jesus Christ, and that has made you a child of God. Now, I do not recommend you act in the way I did. I, I don't. That is not the appropriate way to do it. And I hope you'll forgive me. I'm telling the truth. I'm, I didn't have the right spirit about it, even though mentally I knew what was right. I just wanted to get my stuff and go. <coughs> so, anyways... But it makes for a good story now. Um, When we put faith in Christ, that moment we did that, God's Holy Spirit bared witness with our spirit that we're His children. But He didn't just bear witness, He came within us to dwell, to live, to abide. Not just a little bit of Him, all of Him. You know where the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That, that's not talking about get the rest of Him in you. You only got a leg, you know. No, no, get, get the, He's already in you. It's talking about you giving Him access to the whole house. And we struggle with that. Hello? We don't like letting down our guard to one another, let alone to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, I still want to do my thing, Lord. I want to have my way. I'm afraid if I let down, you're going to put me in Zimbabwe or amongst cannibal people, and I don't want to do that. And, you know, we get all this preconceived crazy ideas about what would happen if we fully surrender. Hello? I think a lot of times the devil starts messing with our head. And the Holy Spirit's saying, if you just let me have my way, I'll surprise you. (laughs) And so he comes in us to dwell the moment we get saved. And because you're sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, to give you confirmation, validation. But not just that, to give you comfort. What did Jesus say to the disciples? I must go so that the comforter can come. Right now you're comforted by my presence. But you need to be around me to be comforted. He's telling his disciples. But when I ascend, the comforter He'll be with you always. Always. And by the way, uh, <clears throat> He'll give you the comfort when you need it. When you need it. You, uh, we, we, don't always, we don't always need the comfort. Sometimes we need something else from the Holy Spirit. We just need, we need guidance. What did he say he would do? He would guide us into all truth, according to John 14. All truth. Now, where do we find all truth? From the public school? From the college professors? From the Britannica Encyclopedia? Do they still have that? Absolutely, the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will guide us to His Word. By the way, this is very, very important. And this is, this is distinctive amongst true Christianity and, and Christianity that's got poison in it or false Christianity. Because I'm not saying, there's a lot of denominations out there, we may disagree in some areas, but I think there's still a lot of them that are saved. I'm not going to get on that. But this is the difference. The Holy Spirit, according to the Scriptures, will never lead you contrary to the Word of God. Never lead you contrary to the Word of God. Somebody says, well, you know, I, and I've heard, I mean, you know, some of the, how many remember the, well, the Son of Sam, that nutcase in New York that killed those people? He said the Lord spoke to him about doing those atrocities. Well, that's, that's satanic, Right. wait a minute, Uh, Oral Roberts oh I know, he's got a university and the basketball team's going to the sweet 16 now, isn't that something, who cares I remember him talking about seeing a uh, 100 foot Jesus and the 100 foot Jesus said if you don't get a million dollars within a week, uh, you're going to lose everything, something weird Uh, he didn't get that from the Bible hello hello He didn't get that from the Bible. Somebody tells you, well, you know, if you don't speak in some strange, spooky language, and they wouldn't call it that. If you don't speak in tongues, if you don't have that gift of the special tongues here, then you are not going to qualify. Uh, You're not going to get that in the Bible. They do err not knowing the Scriptures. And so we've got to understand the Holy Spirit of God, number one, will lead us to the truth, and He will not lead us contrary to the truth. Somebody says, well, I feel like you know, it's just not working with my wife and I anymore, and I think the Lord would just have us uh, part ways. And I look at, I'd have to look at them and say, you're not listening to the Lord, friend. The Lord and not have nothing to do with that thinking. Hello? But I've talked to good, or I, I would say not good. I, I, I would, I've talked to people that I've respected, sincere. I like them as a person, and I'm like, where are you getting that thinking? That is not from God. Hello? And so we gotta ask, we gotta remember how the Holy Spirit of God leads and guides us. He guides us into all truth. And the beauty of the Holy Ghost. The beauty of the Holy Ghost is uh, He wants to be your teacher. He wants to be your teacher. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2, if you wouldn't mind. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. We'll look at two verses here. You see, God knows how to take care of his children. And he's given us all the provision we need. 1 John chapter 2. First of all, let's look at verse 20. By the way, this is referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. But ye have an unction. See that word unction? Everybody see it? If you've got a King James Bible, that's the Holy Ghost. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. <clears throat> Some of you say, well, I do. Well, the one inside you does. <laughs> the one inside you does. Look at verse 27. But the anointing, that word anointing, that's the Holy Spirit. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But it's the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and it's truth, and it's no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now pause, because I get, need to get some clarity to that. Because as soon as I, I read something like that, you're always going to get somebody to say, well, See, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Yeah, gonna, And they're going to take that, because prideful people always look for a reason to be more prideful. Hello? They're always looking for a reason to be more prideful. And they look at that and say, see, I don't need a pastor, preacher, teacher, tell me anything. I got the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and you just read it there, preacher. I sure did, bud. You want to read the rest of the Bible with me, too? Or do you want to just read one verse? Because there, there are other passages. Uh, like, uh, and God gave some teachers and pastors, and hello, for the edification of the saints. What's that all about? No, you see, on the same token, we still need tutors and governors in our lives, not for salvation, but for uh, maturation. I don't even know if I pronounced it right, but it sounds right to me. We do. You know it. You know the kids need it. We need it. If we're going to grow... Alright, so, but, how, what's the, but the beauty is this, if I don't have access to somebody, I can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach me and help me and instruct me, and here's what I've discovered, this is just an experiential, experiential lesson, that's all, this is just an experiential lesson that I've discovered. If I'm reading a passage and I can't make sense of it, and I read about 15 commentaries and I don't really, nothing's really grabbing me, and a lot of them are probably skipping the same verse that I'm trying to figure out. <clears throat> That's what I've discovered. They skip the hard verses. I reckon I don't need to know it right now. I don't need to get all bent out of shape and worried about a passage of Scripture I don't understand when there are plenty that I do. And I ought to just ask myself, am I obeying what I know? And if so, then I ask the Holy Spirit, teach me as I read this. And I've discovered He will teach you. He'll bring things out in the Scripture to you. And I've discovered when you're heavy-hearted, boy, this Bible comes more alive than any other time. When you've got the weight of the world on you, if you just be still and know that He is God, He'll let you know He is God. And how's that happen? That's through the work of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then finally, and this has not been exhausted by no means, there's so much we could teach on the Holy Spirit. But what else does the Holy Spirit do? What, what is that key thing that He wants to do? Because He is going to point people to Jesus Christ. And what did he say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? What did. Tarry ye in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from him on high. And then he said, uh, But ye shall be witnesses. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, other, and the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts 5, verse 32, I believe, is the passage. I believe it was Peter that said, and we are his witnesses, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Them that obey him, what's that talking about? Well, you have, you have to put faith in Jesus. And if you're witnessing, you're obeying. <laughs> and if you're obeying and you're witness, even if the person's looking at you and not interested, God says, it's all right. The Holy Spirit knows how to make the truth and bring it home to somebody's heart. And something beautiful, another beautiful truth concerning the Holy Spirit, and you need to get this. When your body and mind is weak and feeble and you feel like you can't go on, or maybe you as a teacher feel like I feel I'm ill-equipped I know this, I know the Holy Spirit can take our weakness and work in spite of us. Paul said to the Corinthians that he didn't come with enticing words, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit. It's it's the work of the Holy Ghost that speaks to others when you're a witness for Christ. And we've got to have assurance that he's doing his job as I'm just speaking truth, speaking truth, speaking truth. I've just scratched the surface with the work of the Holy Ghost in our life. But what a blessing that God has given us him for our own benefit to help us as parents, as Christians, as husbands, wives citizens, all for the purpose to bring glory to God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Bless the service. Thank you for your word and for your truth. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be sensitive, yielded to your leadership. We can sing a song. This is more of a teaching message. If you feel like you need to use the altar, you're welcome to. If not, we're all going to sing a song together here and close the service. Lord, may you bless, guide us, and have your way in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.